Kermalitic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. This podcast is brought to you by StormTech. For over 30 years, StormTech has been designing award-winning drains that are used worldwide. As an Australian success story, StormTech is the inventor of the linear drain currently used in thousands of applications across the globe. Used in bathrooms, thresholds, driveways, pools and paved areas, StormTech drains are engineered to solve all drainage needs around your home. With seven award-winning great styles to choose from, StormTech's full range of drains is available in an array of stunning powder-coated colours and electroplated finishes designed to suit any trend or building style. If you want further information, go to www.stormtech.com.au. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Melodic, and today we have with us a familiar face, a very familiar face, Troy Creighton. Troy Creighton has been, and still is, the Managing Director of Stormtech since 2003. Stormtech, the company, was founded by Troy's father, John, in 1989, and Troy has been involved in the design and functionalities of linear drains from then on. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's about 34 years now. However, after having worked with John for some time, he wanted to further his career in a corporate environment and went on to hold several positions in sales and marketing in a range of building materials companies. But... He loves StormTech, so he came back in 2003. Troy has developed the company since then to be a market, or be the market leader, rather, in architectural drainage solutions in Australia and has grown extensively overseas in a number of markets. So welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Troy Creighton. Thank you very much, Branko. It's good to be back, mate. Um, I think uh, everyone else is looking forward to uh, getting out and about now that we're more or less post-pandemic uh, around the world. That is true, except if only the humidity and the rain would go away. <laughs> um, so today, speaking of all things that are wet and perhaps even also humid, we're going to talk about bathroom design and design bathroom design trends in hospitality, which is a really, really big, big um you know, area, I guess, uh, especially as you just mentioned, um, you know, now that now that the pandemic is in the rearview mirror, um, people are going out again, people are eating out again, people are going on holidays again. So hospitality is a sector that's, uh, I, I think, is, is well, uh, receiving a bit of a mini boom, dare I say. So what are some of the new bathroom trends or in hospitality that StormTech has seen this year? Right. Well, I did mention post-pandemic and we're all travelling with that in mind. Um, so I have uh, been travelling myself um, and I have been observing directly um, hotel bathroom trends um, and also been involved, wow, with just so much new design and development and redevelopment work in the hospitality space. At the moment, it's it's really quite extraordinary how much uh, work is coming up. The amount of specification that we have um, on the books uh, for the next two years is astounding. Uh, I think I've never seen such a massive, massive uh, forward portfolio coming up. But there are some really, really distinct uh, design trends coming up. Uh, so, Brango, there's two ways 
really I can sort of look at it from the storm tech perspective, like given that we're the drainage people, so we're not here talking about vanities um, or other um, aspects of the bathroom, toilet pans and so on, um, just given the nature of the drain. One of the things that we've noted is a particular challenge for specifiers and in particular um, hospitality specifiers is whether you're doing a renovation um, of existing hotel stock um, and that renovation really falls into two categories where they're completely gutting the building and almost rebuilding it or where they're doing basically just a renovation um, and leaving the existing footprint of the fittings and fixtures in place. So it's just a almost a refresh um, renovation rather than a, um, uh, a rebuild. Or um, the most fun one is a complete new build. In either of those, the design aesthetic, uh, really, it um, it's quite varied right now. Um, I'm seeing the uh, sort of a resurgence of the shabby chic um, that was popular about 10 years ago or sort of waning about 10 years ago. That seems to be resurging in your boutique hotels. Um, so repurposing and redesigning uh, bathrooms using eclectic features and so on, that's, that's really uh, seeming to be a, a trend that's continuing. Where I'm seeing the emerging designs are sort of more uh, a revisit of the old minimalist open space designs. And this seems to be driven by a greater awareness of inclusion, um, but also from a fundamental, if you look at, uh, so most of the big chain hotels will have their uh, design guide, their style guide. Um, and in those guides, you, you have, colors um textures and so on um to to work within and a lot of those seem to be moving away from your dark colors um and not going back to the the pristine arctic white uh something in between so an earth tone is is creeping creeping back in um there now there are two i see in the design styles, there are two really just so this is for your new build, not your renovation. I'm seeing that there are two really distinct design styles in hospitality right now being driven by two regions. One is by North America and the North American um, hotel chains. And the other one is by, interestingly, it seems like uh, Southeast Asia, North Asia, and Europe are following a very, very similar trend together. I don't know if there's a, a reason for that. It just seems quite coincidental. So if we look at the North American design style, it's it's really, it's, it's back to the 70s. Um, and that was a, a wonderful time. I, I think the 70s is, a, is an era um, that, that really should stay. 40 to 50 years ago. Um, it was a wonderful time to grow up in and fashions and trends move on because sometimes they're just rubbish and don't need to go back to, but here we are revisiting the seventies again. <laughs> okay. Are you saying, Troy, that, that my sunburnt orange tiles in my kitchen are, are wrong because that, that's hurtful. Um, Oh, no, no, no. They just belong in an era, and that era is now past. <laughs> it's, look, it's a design trend. It's coming back. Um, having lived the 70s, I see no need to revisit 
these things. Um, but then again, fashion moves on and it seems that North America um, keep going back uh, to that era. And it's more uh, your beiges, browns, mission brown. Um, that's a PTSD colour for me. Um, I agree. I, there's one thing I cannot stand is, is a mission brown colour on fence. I just absolutely go, go, go nutty over that. Yeah, they, these colours and these styles, look, it's horses for courses and these big brands do very well. And when you visit the United States or uh, Canada, not so much, but if you just, let's just call it North America. Um, you you go into a, a nice hotel that was built in the 70s, late 70s, say, and you go in there and all they've really done is repaint and repair and recarpet and so on. And if they've done a good job of it, and then you go into one that was built in the last few years, uh, there's not a lot of change in the design style. So I think that's a very, that's for your conservative American, North American uh, market. But then when you go to, if you look at, say, back in the 60s, the Marriott. Um, now, that was bleeding, bleeding edge, um, super white, um, sci-fi kind of yep. um, uh, look and feel. And they seem to have revert. They've reverted now. Their, their brand and their style guides are very conservative. So that's the one side. So you've got the North American side that's just reverted to a real traditional conservative style. I don't know whether that reflects the uncertainty in society at the moment, but that's they're the style guides I'm looking at at the moment. So, again, natural tones and so on. Um, and But sort of everything's beige. There is another thing that, that you, you spoke about uh, refurbs uh, or even you, um, there's another thing that I love and I hate. I love because of, because of even pre-pandemic, I didn't like the idea of touching taps and handles and stuff. Mm. Um, but after a while, they just don't work. But there's been a lot of talk about touches, fixtures, hasn't there? Fa faucets, soap dispensers, hand dryers, um, flush sensors, door handles, yada, yada, uh, especially after the pandemic, as you know. Um, do you think this, this trend will expand or not, and if so, why? Yes, specifically, I agree 100% um, that this trend will expand. So just going back to my two different areas, your, let's call it a facelift renovation, um, that's ideal for these new touchless sensor systems because they can be retrofitted typically. Um, new build, obviously, very easy. Um, and you they will blend with your very cool European style, uh, European Southeast North, Northern Asian styles uh, that are coming out. So that style, just to touch base on that before we move back to the sensor systems, the uh, European style, if you imagine Nordic with a little bit of the um, uh, unique style, um, a little bit of darkness in, in the um, bleached uh, timbers or the, the Arctic white. It's not Arctic white, it's natural tones. Now, they're going for more open space. And then this is where these systems, these touchless sensor systems, are really starting to move into their own domain. 
Now, I specifically mentioned North Asia uh, because Japan is starting to, its style in hospitality design seems to really be picked up, um, which I hadn't noticed as much before. And I specifically mentioned Japan because of their love affair with robot toilets, or what I would describe as a robot toilet. Um, now, having been to Japan a couple of times, um, I'm, I'm beginning to become a fan of them. And yeah, mate, as you suggest, in uh, hospitality design, post-pandemic, touchless systems are having a benefit. But, you know, there's actually a knock-on benefit to the pandemic and these touchless systems and this more open plan style that we're getting, and that's inclusiveness. We've seen massive changes in the NCC for uh, volume two um, dwellings where we're pushing uh, the NCC, the ABCB have bitten the big one and included uh, access and mobility as a fundamental part of the NCC. Um, I think the sense of the touchless sensor systems are really hand in glove with that access and mobility. So depending on whether someone's got advanced arthritis, some sort of movement or inability to be able to manipulate, uh, you know, high-end sophisticated um, fittings and fixtures, well, the, the touchless ones make it far easier for them. And including these, what I would describe as robot toilets, um, they even have gender sensing toilets. They have them that they have uh, Bluetooth integration. Um, so if you rock up to the toilet and your Bluetooth is on and you've, you've paired it with the toilet, it will start playing your favorite music. It will blow warm air on your feet. It will give you light therapy. Um, this is all real stuff. I'm not kidding you. Light therapy and gender sense. So it'll lift one seat or both seats, uh, the lid or the seat um they have they they'll even have a built-in bidet feature it's you know heated seats um it it really like they are the next level <laughs> of where we're probably going with the bathroom and now there's one thing about the bathroom that i think hotels or hospitality design get more than just about anyone else and that's that the bathroom is the most intimate room in your house or in your hotel room True. and the hardcore minimalist arctic white design misses that a little bit um, because you need to be a little bit messy in in you know your personal ablution sometimes you get a little bit of hair everywhere soap goes flying um and that's where i think the uh, the more eclectic designs merging with the open easy access, clean bathrooms is is really merging. Yeah, look, the Japanese are always on the forefront of that, aren't they? I mean, they they uh, they spend a lot of time, um, you know, basically making, uh, turning little things in, 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 into, into comfort points, you know, you know, whether it be sitting on a chair, whether it be eating, whether it be sitting on a toilet, so I, I guess it surprised me. The one thing 
the one thing that I think that, that is, I think is really important um, for everybody, Japanese or non-Japanese, certainly for Australians, um, and definitely in hospitality, is water and water saving. Particularly in Australia, where, as we know, we people have been told we we're living in the uh, the world's most driest, sorry, the driest inhabited continent. Um, so, our eco-friendly fixtures, fixtures rather, like you now low-flow toilets, waterless urinals, and, and shower heads. The only way is to save water, and if not, what other ways do we see water being saved, particularly in the area of hospitality? Because I guess. That's that's a fairly high throughput as well, isn't it? If you've got a you've got a hotel with you know I don't know two hundred rooms, two hundred bathrooms, right? So, um, what are some of the ways we're seeing uh, water saving hospitality? All right. Well, um, there's one thing I want to start with of uh, a hotel that hasn't been renovated <laughs> in the last twenty or more years, yet they still put out the nice little card um, that says, you know, uh, we care about the environment. Please, you know use your towel more than once and so on. That's now, to me, when I first saw those and it became standard you know, back in the 80s or I think even the 70s, they started that sort of thing. Um, uh, that's almost greenwashing now if they're not doing anything about it. So ho hospitality design um, for bathrooms, they do have the opportunity now to employ significantly more effective water-saving methods. Um, and water reuse. So one of the one of the areas is water reuse, and I think really we've got to give it to the Europeans for for championing this. Um, there there has been over the years some incredible Australian invention for the reuse of water, and unfortunately, because we tend to be uh, a little bit poor at allowing innovation within our compliance framework for building products, um, it stymied a lot of that innovation. Uh, so we we distribute a Portuguese um, waste heat recovery system called Zypho or Zipho, depending on how you look at the spelling. Um, and it it's very popular in Europe and hospitality have embraced it dramatically. Um, the re what it does is the wastewater going down your shower drain um, preheats the cold water circuit, providing the cool water into your shower. Um, so you're not actually reusing the wastewater, but you're actually removing the heat from that wastewater. So that's one aspect of reusing the, the energy um, of the water. Now, reusing the water itself, again, we've got to give it to the Europeans, they are past masters at developing systems to be able to reuse as much of the water, um, even the sewer water, and put it back into the system. In Australia, uh, we do not recycle much of our sewerage. There is some, yeah. but it's token. And I, you know, we government, local council, um, and us, we we all we all need a big slap across the face for for not reusing this water. I understand that people would have a concern, particularly on the back of a pandemic, <laughs> about reusing something that's potentially you know got pathogens and so on in it. Uh, but we need to move on beyond that. Uh, we need to close the cycle of the use of our water. 
we can't take it from underground very much because sometimes it takes millions of years for that water uh, cycle to be completed. So as soon as we take it out, we're interfering with an ancient water cycle and we don't actually know the, you know, the knock-on effect of, of that use. So in hospitality design, I feel we have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to improve the uh, reuse of water. And hospitality have said for a long time, as I mentioned at the beginning, that they care about the environment as much as they care about us and room service. So now they have the opportunity to use products that are certified as being environmentally friendly. Um, and environmentally friendly can be a number of different things, sustainability and so on, um, but also people-friendly. Uh, we developed the shower screen support so that you can get more out of your room. Uh, so the shower screen support is simply a drain that supports the shower screen and turns the whole bathroom into a wet room. And then you've got more room. So it's accessible. It's sustainable because we've had it certified. And then you combine that with water-saving taps, shower heads, uh, pans, touchless um, sensor technology so that you can control the water as well. So Zip do a fantastic system um, for that. Um, then um, it also is inclusive. Uh, so you, uh, hospitality design doesn't need to be exclusive and oh, this is pure high end. You can, you can be more inclusive so you can get more retirees that have movement and access issues out into the hotels, onto travel again like we, can, like we do now. Touchless makes it cleaner. Um, touchless also allows us to use the, um, uh, the sensing technology to measure exactly what we're doing. If we don't measure it, then we don't really know. So I, I think right now we're on the cusp of some really, really good, just from what I'm seeing in design and the requests for specification and so on, and the fact that the hotels are looking at what products are actually certified. So it's a bit of a mishmash of what I've spoken about there, but it does tie together. This podcast is brought to you by StormTech. StormTech has been designing award-winning drains that are used worldwide. As an Australian success story, StormTech is the inventor of the linear drain, currently used in thousands of applications across the globe. Used in bathrooms, thresholds, driveways, pools and paved areas, StormTech drains are engineered to solve all residential drainage needs around your home. With seven award-winning grade styles to choose from, StormTech's full range of drains is available in an array of stunning powder-coated colours and electroplated finishes designed to suit any trend or building style. Proud to be Australian inventors, Australian manufacturers and 100% Australian made and owned for over 30 years, all of StormTech's products are watermark certified, which is crucial for building insurance purposes. Sustainability is one of the most important aspects in StormTech's culture. In fact, we take it so seriously that we are the only drainage manufacturer worldwide to achieve Gold Star Green Tag certification. StormTech skilled specialists work closely with specifiers, architects and builders to offer tailored drainage solutions, including bespoke drawings and plans for customised drainage designs for all Australian environments. 
For more information, go to the StormTech website at www.stormtech.com.au. And now back to our podcast. Talking about being on the cusp, let's talk about automation. That's one thing you spoke a little bit earlier, but there is there is a thing, isn't, isn't there, with auto- automation that it's expensive to install, especially the retrofit. Um, do you think the ROI is there, and in, in, in what way? And if so, in what way? The reason I ask that is because you know we see over time technology becomes cheaper. Okay, um, I remember you know when storage, for example, was you know twenty years ago, unbelievably expensive. Now I can go buy the same storage, you know, which is by the way, footprint size it's one tenth of the size, you know, for like you know again one tenth of the price, or maybe one seventh of the price I used to. So, you know, it's not it's so it's not really the the, the technology that's more expensive. It's the actual physical labour. So is the ROI there for um, you know smart automation, in, in particularly in hospitality? Um, you know, in terms of retrofitting, I think so. Um, the yeah, um, depends on the level of automation uh, that we're we're talking about. Uh, the automation's there; it just comes down to the sensor technology and how that's employed. We have the bandwidth; we 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 do have the technology. Uh, it comes down to the sensor technology. So there's two ways I look at the automation of a bathroom. And that you can look at it uh, holistically, um, and holistically would be a very expensive combined system. Bathroom pods, modular systems, they've been sort of working on that for for some time with greater or lesser degree of success. The problem for them is maintenance, which they haven't solved yet. Bit of a bit of a problem I'm seeing that's emerging even more now. Uh, the next way to look at it, the second part, is individual component automation. Right. What systems contain within themselves a level of automation? Uh, let's go back to the robot toilet. Or even let's just go back to the sensor tap, the good old sensor tap. Been around for decades now. Um, fairly well refined, available in most brand styles and so on. Various levels of, uh, of quality out there as well. These individual systems put together, uh, these, sorry, individual components put together, create a system and that system can be measured. It's just a little bit more sensor technology uh, to do the measure. And there's three components to that. Sensor one is the amount of power energy being used. Sensor two is the amount of water in. Um, And sensor three is climate. Those once we start measuring, then we will be able to determine whether the next level of automation can do it. So when you're doing a uh, simple facelift style renovation, you can throw in those sensors um, at very, very cost effective method um, to gather the information. So if you're talking about, say, um, one of your more budget friendly um, express brands of hotel, where it is very modular system, offsite construction and so on, then very cheap for them to put in these individual semi-automated components, measure the throughput, output um, and inputs 
very simple sensor technology there, which can be integrated into the uh, the, the building management system. Like, oh, I can't imagine it's going to cost much more, at, if at all. Then the method will be take that and use that right as a benchmark for this energy efficiency, this amount of air leakage, this etc. And then you can apply that on subsequent renovations or rebuilds or new builds of your different brand and your brand levels, all the way up to you could just about do passive house in a hotel. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. It would be. It'd be a weird one, but yeah, there yeah, you go. I think you're right. Um, another trend that's taken on a, a lot more, and you, you spoke about North America, um, certainly this trend has taken on far more in North America, but as we know, what happens in North America eventually seeps down, down the pond, down to here. That's gender neutral bathroom spaces. And, you know, obviously, and I mean, in hospitality. Um, what about Australia? Do you think that trend will ever take off here? I mean, I, 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 I kind of preempted my own question. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm actually going to disagree with you there, mate. Um, not often I do that. Um, my um, take, and this is just, just my, my take on it, is we're actually following the European style far more than we are yeah. Um, the North American style, yeah, in the last ten years, um, and particularly of of late, I think it's because the North American style has become so conservative in general. Um, the it's it's not what we're looking for when we're looking for a hospital as a, a user of hospitality spaces, um, as a client or a customer. Um, we're not looking for this bland um, conservativeness. Um, we're used to uh, things a little bit more edgy, a little bit more luxy. And I think we're following more the European style now. And we have Australia has for the last, I'd say, plus 20 years. But I'm just specifically talking about the bathroom experience here. Uh, for the plus 20 years, Australia has been really going more the Euro um, style mm -hmm. rather than the North American style. That's a vast generalization. If you take your brand, you, you, your North American hospitality brands, then yeah, sure, we're dominated by a lot of them and they bring in their style guide and we just go with that because that's they know better than us apparently. Um, but if you look at your independent brands, no, nah, they're nowhere near that. They're much more fun. Um, Singapore brands, um, they're having a heck of a lot of fun with their style and their designs. Um the um, Hong Kong brands and the European brands. Um, Accor, if we talk about them specifically, um, actually, I won't talk about them at all. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Um, but if you look at your European brands in general, um, find that they're, they're a lot more adventurous. And I think Aussies tend to be a bit more adventurous than, than your average North American. Mm, interesting. Speaking of style, a subject that you and I have become synonymous with, uh, Troy. Lighting <laughs> is one area where, <laughs> you know, style is important, but so is functionality, isn't it? So, um, and, it, and it's of a huge importance in the um, hospitality sector. Yeah. What are some of the new new lighting ideas that you've seen in, in hospitality? I've seen some interesting things, particularly in bathrooms, okay, which is where I'm sort of heading with this. Um, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like semi-dark bathrooms. I don't know why. Is it, is it maybe it's me? But anyway, what are some of the trends that you've seen? 
Uh, okay. I've seen one trend that just just drives me screaming up the wall, and that's which bloody button and where the heck is the button for the light switch? Oh, my God. It's an exercise in losing the will to live when you go to a hotel and try and work out which button does what for the lights. Um, so that's a that's a, a disappointing trend, um, which need not be the case. Um, I think there should be an international standard on how lights are done in a hotel. And I'm right with you, Branko. I don't like um, half-lit or back-lit um, bathrooms generally. Um, in the middle of the night, awesome. Um, but when I'm or my wife is getting ready to, to go out, and we're leaving the hotel and you can't really see what you're doing in the in the bathroom it's you know it's a nice idea but it doesn't fail it doesn't pass the practicality test yeah no I, i'm with you there another thing that's also of, of well it's always been of importance really but we never thought about it but now obviously more so because of the pandemic is air quality and ventilation i guess and these days they're, they're very much um, front of mind, um, you know, they're, they're, they're talking a lot of even things like what are all that HEPA, HEPA filters and whatnot in, in, in terms of the aircon. Is there any idea or design that you think could make the hospitality, the hospitality sector, rather, um, which was very hit, actually, very hardly hit, as you know, by COVID, less susceptible to potential future virus outbreaks? Uh, it's a difficult one. Um, HEPA, HEPA poses like HEPA is a good solution, um, and there are a variety of ways um, I've I've been told about that you can in, improve air quality without massive expense. Uh, downside to HEPA quality is the maintenance or exchange of the filters. Um, yeah. That is not not knowing much about air exchange and so on. The one thing. Uh, I've been told is that that's probably a big expense part there. Um, and also the other thing is the uh, potential um, for like in the bathroom, one area I've discussed at length is the risk of poor air quality due to um, stagnant water building up in the bathroom, say under the tile surface or inappropriate materials being used um unintentionally um, in the bathroom that do cause uh, a stagnant water buildup. Good example there would be under the tiles, unless they do a full butter uh, glue on the tile so that the when the tile goes down, you do not get uh, the rake of the tile glue is fully backing the tile and not leaving rake marks where damp can build up. So you're not going to have a waterproofing failure there. But what you are going to have is you're going to have an unwashed mold buildup. Um, the water gets in there. It becomes depleted of oxygen. Stagnant water, by definition, is water that's depleted of oxygen. And then you're going to get a sulfide buildup. So you're going to get the potential rotten egg smell. It's very, very hard to get rid of without the use of nasty chemicals. But the problem there, the specific problem there, is that's where Legionnaires comes from. Yeah. So... We've got, you know, which is another pneumonic disease. So that air quality risk in a bathroom comes down to um, a, a quality of construction issue, um, which is 
easily overcome but often overlooked. Uh, I think at the moment, if uh, the New South Wales Building Commissioner heard that comment about the tiles <laughs> needing full butter, I, there'd be, you know, uh, champagne corks popping and flags waving because it's something uh, I think might be one of their their priorities. Um, but it is it is genuinely jokes aside. It is an area of um, construction failure and potential risk to uh, occupants or loss of amenity and not fit for purpose that I see not only Australia but around the world. Speaking of not only Australia, let's 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 now expand to the rest of the world. What is your penultimate hospitality bathroom? Ah, okay. I think we're actually your top three. Maybe you have more than one. I mean. I know I have I have a couple, but that's that's irrelevant. But tell me, what are, what are your your top hospitality bathrooms, and where are they, and, and why are they your, your top one? As a balding middle aged man, um, so really, you know, for the the listeners that are outside of that range, you're probably rolling your eyes now, right now. Um, but as a balding middle-aged man, uh, hospitality bathroom with a bath is redundant to me. Uh, it's you know I'm a bloke. I, I tend not to soak in a bath, so a bath doesn't suit me. Um, checked with my wife about this. She rarely uses a bath in a hotel. Um, so if it's a hotel experience where you're going to be mm, transiting, you're only staying there for a night or two, it's unlikely you're going to be using a bath um, unless it's a super luxe one. So if there's a shower, not over the bath, please. If you've got a bath, separate. Um the bathroom itself, um, open um, with very obvious lighting <laughs> controls <laughs> um, and um, the the other one is the uh, the hot water systems. Um, there's a term it escapes me right now. It's the um, hot water temp. Uh, what's it called? The uh, it's a very important part of the hot water supply in a hotel and it's controlling the temperature of the hot water. And I just can't remember the name of the system. Um, this seems to be something um, that is, pun intended, hot and cold um, <laughs> around hotels. You know, it takes you 10 minutes to get the water warm and yeah. then it comes out you know, at just below the level that you'd need fusion to be at. Um so that's that's another one. So control hot water uh, would be uh, a good one. And back to the lighting, yeah, not too dark, or if it is backlit or sidelit, uh, then adequate lighting for, for what you're doing. Um, and fittings and fixtures, go quality. Um, enough of things that half work, that kills me going in there finding a uh toilet seats loose um the vanity drawer sort of half closes or the drain doesn't work properly and um things like that there you go i'm not too sure i've answered your question properly then well, you, you, you did in a very diplomatic way i've got to say that i'm i'm also can i add to that um soundproofing really <gasps> yeah that's right lag the pipes soundproof yeah. the walls yeah and um air conditioning yeah. Um would be another one. Can I can I turn it the F off? Um <laughs> and 
if you're next to a lift well, soundproofing again. Yeah. And and why is there no bath bridge in the bathroom? Um, I've got to say that um, you know, it's an idea. Um, but no, look, they're they're all they're all. You're, you're very very correct on those. Troy Creighton, managing director of Stormtech. Dare I say this has been a great interview? <laughs> Thanks, mate. What um, a great idea. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't resist making that reference to um, stormwater storm drains and and drains in general. Oh, mate, we've been using that great uh, tagline for the past 25-odd years, so good on you, mate. <laughs> for 25 more years. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Branko Melodic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The A&D Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.